Welcome to The Drift, your resource on all things business strategy, entrepreneurship, and leadership. I'm your host, Aloiza, and today's guest is Chief Content Officer at Swerve Fitness, Marion Roman. From managing studios to becoming the co-founder of Peloton and more, Marion has dedicated her entire professional career to unlocking human performance in the cycling space. As CCO at Swerve, Marion is focusing on innovating and connecting the customer experience through content and so much more. I'm so excited for you guys to hear her story. And without further ado, welcome, Marion. Hi, thank you. Thanks for having me. Of course, I am so excited for everybody to hear your story. So to go ahead and get us started, can you share with us a little background on yourself and how you got to where you are today? Yeah, definitely. Um, all right, so we're going to go way back <laughs> um, to like 1996. I'm from New York. Um, and I was living in Colorado at the time. I was working in the restaurant business, totally focused on a career in the restaurant industry. I had a small catering company. I was a sous chef at like this really hip restaurant. But I, the, the funny thing is, though, I lived in Colorado originally because I was a hiker and, a, and I loved riding my bike, like loved riding recreationally outdoors. I love the mountains. But with this like passion for the restaurant industry, I suddenly didn't have time anymore to ride outdoors. And I was working all the time and I was feeling that need to exercise. I was never somebody who worked out indoors. So I finally just like, I didn't know what to do. So I got a gym membership and I was completely lost. I'd go there and just like sit on weird Nautilus equipment, having no idea what to do. And then one day I was sitting in there and this woman walked out of what was just like a closet. It wasn't a studio space or anything. And she was drenched in sweat and beet red. And for whatever reason, I went up to her and I was like, what were you doing? What were you doing in there? And she was smiling. I shouldn't leave that out. She was beet red and smiling. I was like, what were you doing there? She goes, oh, it's spinning. And I was like, what is that? And I looked into the closet and there were five, four or five bikes lined up on a diagonal and then one bike facing those bikes. And she, there was a boom box next to the bike facing the four or five. She goes, yeah, it's this, it's this workout spinning and we have bikes inside and, and you should try it. I'm teaching a class tomorrow. Her name was Shannon, this woman. And I was like, all right. So I went first thing. I think she taught at like 630 in the morning. So I went and took it and I was blown away. It was like. I, all the elements of everything I was passionate about, it's like I'm in a room pedaling faster than I ever possibly imagined pedaling. And there's music playing and it's like you know, my favorite music and I'm moving my body to this music and the biking and it was just like, I was completely blown away. I was so enthusiastically spinning that like, this is before we were clipping into indoor cycling bikes. So my feet were like, flying out of the pedals and the pedals are bashing me in my calf. And I'm like, but I still kept going. It's like, oh, I just was crazy about it. Drenched in sweat. I don't think I'd ever sweat like that in my entire life. And I was just totally hooked. Like I never experienced a feeling like that before, to be quite honest with you. And I became basically completely obsessed. It turned out that, so Schwinn is one of the original um, indoor cycling bike manufacturers and they were from that neck of the woods. So there were actually a few places to find spin classes in Colorado. And so I started 
to find them. And I started to follow around instructors. And suddenly, what was my passion in life, supposedly, being a restaurant, uh, being a chef and running restaurants and the dream of a restaurant someday, I was like booking jobs around spin classes. And I was kind of like not realizing what was happening, which was just, you know, I, I was, um, I was starting to discover a true passion in a way that I'd never experienced before. Um, but at this point I still wasn't thinking of it as a career. It was just something I was so taken by. Um, one thing leads to another and I'm, I'm becoming more obsessed with these spin classes, less interested in all of the, the work that I'm supposed to be doing. And I started to think about moving back to New York. Um, so I never planned on staying in Colorado forever anyway. Um, I come back to New York just to visit. And this is just a funny side note. It turned out that my dad had become obsessively into spinning as well. And so we both shared this passion. So he took me, he was going to Reebok Sports Club, New York. He lived in Manhattan. And so he took me to a class there. And I was like, oh my God, this, this is, you know, this is, yeah, this is what we do out there, but it was slightly different, which I'll get into in a second. But so, you know, that visit to New York kind of, there was something, I felt something, this is going to sound crazy, but I felt something around the, this, these, I'd taken a few classes with my dad at this time. There was something in that energy and these classes and the people taking the classes. And they were like, there was this cult like feeling to it all. And this, by the way, is now about 96, 96, 97, something like that. So indoor cycling at this point, it's not well known yet. So you still had to explain, it's people called it spinning then. And you, you had to explain what that was to most people. They'd be like spinning yarn, like spinning, like dancing. You'd be like, no, riding a bike. They'd be like, like an exercise bike. You're like, no, not really. And it just, nobody really knew what it was. So the people who were doing it that I found in New York, they were really into it. So anyway, I go back to Colorado and just kind of lost my passion for being there and um, ended up pretty soon after moving back to Manhattan. And keep in mind, I have no, like, I'm still working in restaurants. So I come back to Manhattan, I'm like now working in this very cool, cutting edge, natural food um, place. But again, taking shifts around spin classes. So at this point, I'm probably doing around, not kidding, three or four classes a day, a day. And I'm, wow. yes, and I'm addicted and I'm going to different places. Like I'm getting guest passes. I'm going with friends. I'm doing whatever I can to just get into. So, so to be clear, the only way to take a class at this point is through gyms. You have to have a gym membership or you have to have a friend who has a membership. So, you know, I'm in my 20s, so I'm doing whatever I can just to go to as many places as possible, finding my favorite instructors. Then one day I'm at, oh, and uh, I would use my father's membership at Reebok Sports Club New York. Like, I had no shame. I'm like, <laughs> I'd go in and like try to cheat with his membership. So one day I'm in there and I'm waiting online to take Daisy Eric's spin class. And she was like, we just loved Daisy. I just, I can still remember the feeling when Daisy would walk in the room. She was such a star. The, this is what I wanted to touch on earlier. 
it didn't have that quality didn't exist in Colorado. Colorado was mostly in God bless them. It was fantastic, but it was mostly like outdoor cyclists who just needed to train indoors. And that was great. Obviously, it got me hooked. But when I got to New York, there was this like rock star thing happening that I was like, oh, this is another level. It was like nightclub feeling. And so Daisy was that. So she'd come in with her Starbucks coffee and she was just so cool. And she'd play the same Janet Jackson song every class at the start. And you just get, I get chills just thinking about it. So one day I'm waiting online for her class and her boyfriend was there and he was the proud boyfriend, right? So there's like 50 of these New Yorkers waiting online for a spin class in the back of Reebok Sports Club New York, which by the way, is a very, Reebok Sports Club New York was a very expensive club. So this is like a pretty, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a, um, the demographic here is like, you know, business people, uh, bankers, whatnot. You can, you can, you can imagine the crowd. Um, and so her, her boyfriend's like kind of holding court, right? Like it's, I can't even explain. I'm trying to, to, I wish I could get across the feeling of us all standing there waiting online for this rock star instructor. It's really a very funny memory. Anyway, one day his name was Richard. He and I start talking about how great it would be to have a spinning only studio place where we just have the best instructors and you know it's just that's all we do we just folk we just just you know five classes a day the best instructors and I'm like that's a really good idea you know um, they had had some places like that out in Colorado but again it wasn't the same it wasn't like I knew right away I'm like this is this is magic right like let's do this so he's like well I mean he had I'm like this kid, I'm working at a restaurant. I'm like, I'll drop that in a heartbeat to do this. So he's like, well, I mean, where, where should we do it? Like New York City seemed too much of a risk to test it in. So we thought, let's do it either. He was in Westchester, either in Westchester, or maybe we could go to like the Hamptons and do it as a summer thing to see how it goes. And... I want to say it was the next day. If it wasn't the next day, it was within, I think it was the next day. Because again, my priorities, I remember I was supposed to work a shift at this place. And I was like, oh, guys, I can't, I have to do a favor for a friend in East Hampton. They're like, what are you talking about? Like, you're supposed to be here. It's like, uh, you know, no, I, I, I've got my shift covered. I'll be back because I, I was supposed to be running. Anyway, clearly my priorities were not there. I went out to East Hampton to look at this space that we had heard about. And um, to, to make what's already turned into a very long story a little bit shorter, um, we ended up renting the space, um, telling the landlord we were doing yoga classes. It was a second floor space, so we knew there was no way they were going to okay loud pumping music in the morning. So we said, oh, yeah, we're doing exercise classes. What kind of exercise? Like yoga, you know. And ended up inviting a bunch of a couple. Well, Daisy, of course, Daisy was the star talent. This is before I started teaching. I was obsessed. All I wanted to do was teach someday, but I didn't feel ready. I was not of that caliber yet. And so Daisy was, was teaching and we had a few others who would come out. We had, and it turned into this like cult-like, very cool kind of under club experience in the morning in the Hamptons in the summer. So it was just people would go, what is that? Where's that music coming from? Why is it? We had this, we had people 
This is, of course, everybody that needs to remember, this is before Wi-Fi, internet, before emails. So we were handing out flyers, you know, anything to get people in these classes. And word got out. And, uh, you know, we bought the used bikes from Reebok Sports Club. This is how shoestring we did it. We bought the used bikes from Reebok Sports Club for 50 bucks a bike and brought them into this space. I think we had 30 bikes to start. Um, and it was phenomenal. It took off. And I started to, I, I obviously at this point, I've quit that job. <laughs> I've, quit the, I've quit the restaurant job. I've now moved out with, I don't know where I was staying, but I made it work. And I really um, saw this as something that could be more than any of us were imagining at that point, because people were like myself, the three or four classes a day, they were completely addicted and they were obsessed with their instructors. And I would sit there taking phone calls to place reservations for bikes. And, you know, that first summer, though not every class was sold out because we're still a new business, it definitely was, was on an upward trend. Um, and we had one more summer where the three of us ran it together. And then I really saw potential for this to become a more serious business. And so I ended up buying the business. Um, they just, they were, Daisy's incredible. They were fantastic, but we just weren't on the same page in terms of the future. And um, I was ready to make this my life. Um, and so bought the business to, after running it for those two summers um, so that it could be my own. Then we went, it was called, by the way, I'm sorry, Zone Hampton. And I then started this, it, it became what's now known as boutique fitness, like top priority to do two things. One, to give the best customer experience to people addicted to spinning. And that's twofold, to get people addicted to spinning and then to take really good care of them, right? And then two, to take care of the instructors who are serving the product to the people. And this was something that I recognized very early on that was happening in the industry is that exercise instructors were not valued for the work that they were doing. And they were paid per class a flat rate at these big box gyms. And the economics do not make sense for a big box gym to pay talent more than they had been paying. It's just, it's not in their model. So of course not. However, I saw it as an opportunity to create a space where we could pay, you know, serious money to these instructors to be featured as top tier talent and to treat them like top tier talent, which, you know, I, I did. I took a lot of pride in it. Um, I also, at this point, by the way, had started teaching. So I also now knew firsthand what was going on in the city at gyms and how talent was treated and how they were taken advantage of. Like, so now I was really in it. So um, it, was, it gave me that vantage point to understand how to relate with, with the talent in a way that would make them feel really good. Um, because if they're feeling good, the people taking their class are, are just taking it in, right? They're just reaping the, the, the vibe. They're, they're there. Um, so at this point now, um, running the business, it's, I'm see, it's now, I've, I've now at this point seen 
there's a few things here where there's potential to to take there's like room here to kind of um necessarily reinvent how things are done right so um reservations that's where i saw the big one big gaping hole i had a friend who ran tennis clubs out in east hampton and i noticed that they reserved courts so i i took he he pirated the software from the club and i somehow jerry-rigged that to work for these people's series of classes because prior to using this i would just literally with a pencil mark off the classes that they used um, out of their 10 or 30 pack of classes. Uh, just quickly, the experience was you would go, you would buy either one class for, this is again, now now we're approaching like 98, 99. So I think it was one class for $25, no, this $20, 10 for 180. Um, and then the, fifth, the 30 pack, I don't recall exactly how much that cost, but you know, so it was like, that was, that was, believe it or not, that was kind of revolutionary, which seems so obvious now, but nobody was doing that. Um, I also would sell it. You can buy a big sort of first class service was you can buy your classes straight up or with water. <laughs> so those, <laughs> so you didn't have to be bothered with purchasing the water every time. Um, and of course the towels were complimentary, which, you know, this, this is all about entrepreneurship. Um, there's a romanticized version of the Hamptons and then there's the person who works there and I was doing laundry 24 seven. So <laughs> sweaty towels, cleaning bikes and doing laundry. But back to this, I'm sorry to get, come back to focus. Um, so this, I pirated this tennis club software, which kind of helped in an accounting way to keep track of things, but wasn't exactly it. Um, and I was also the, the, the actual speaking on the phone and taking reservations. This is again, like call waiting, they'd get busy signals. It was, it was great because it was time to get to know the clients a little better, but it was not really a great user experience because they'd be on the other side, getting a busy to those who are young. There used to be this thing called a busy signal. <laughs> where you would call and hear because eh, eh, the phone lines were tied up. So not great when you just want to book your bike for the weekend. Um, so I saw this as an opportunity again where I'm like, okay, this needs to be better. Now at this point, emails are starting to pick up. I, I would send a weekly email announcement. Um, I would time that so it would go out. I, I took reservations every Wednesday at noon. I would send out the email announcement like Wednesday at like 11 a.m. to give them time to decide what they wanted to do with the weekend. And I would, in that would be all the teachers for the week and, you know, any theme rides and stuff like that. Um, I knew there was, there was a local web developer. So the first step of sort of invention in this whole thing was having a website, <laughs> which believe it or not, was like very not, it would, people didn't really do that that much. And so first we have, a, I had a website that was just had a, basically a PDF version of the schedule. But then I started to talk to this web developer about this idea of um, accommodating reservations. MindBody actually, they had just started right around the same time, MindBody software. And 
they um, were we they were developing a a program where you could place reservations for like I think it was spa services they started with. Forgive me if that's not correct, but I feel like that's what it was. Um, and I so the idea here that I was trying to develop was being able to allow people to reserve on the spot that they wanted. Now, again, like this doesn't sound that revolutionary now, but when we finally got that together and launched it, it changed everything. It changed. It was like, you know, people could now just go to this website when I would release it and open up reservations and, you know, I can't even begin to tell you as a business owner and somebody who so passionately believed in what I was doing, when I would, reservations would go live and I could just watch classes fill up and classes would sell out. They'd go live at noon. They'd be sold out 12.02, you know, uh, with wait lists and which was a whole other panic. But um, so that, once we made that change over that sort of adding the reservation system to the studios, I want to say that that was um, around a little bit earlier 2000s, I think it was around then. And I'm sorry for not having those dates written down, but it was somewhere around there. And um, that's when things really started to change. And I felt confident that I had a business. Um, prior to that, I, I it's not that I didn't believe I had a business. I just wasn't quite sure yet how far I could go with it. And then once I had this like, revolutionary reservation system, it started to get real. Um, and that's when competition entered. <laughs> that's when it really got real. <laughs> and um, I ended up opening another studio in um, Southampton, I, which eventually became Watermill. We just switched locations. But then I had um, a studio and then in the city as well. Um, but in that time, and which... So the business is growing and there's a reason why I want to say this now, which is people kept saying to me, we just want you everywhere. We want this here. We want to take it with us on work travel. We want to, we want it in our town. We want to bring this, you know, it was the, the, the burning question that I was always trying to figure out was how to accommodate that. Cause there, I just, I knew instinctively the answer wasn't to open 150 studios. That just was not the direction I personally wanted to go in. I just didn't believe that to be the answer. And um, so at this point now, it's now we're moving into two, 2009 and, you know, years of wins and mistakes and all this stuff. And now we've got competition. We've got soul cycle coming on very strong. That's a whole other podcast episode. And then we've got, and then flywheel open. And it was at this point that I had, I had just, just to go personal, I was going through divorce. I have two young kids. I'm running these businesses. I have no partners. And I've got serious competition that are coming on very, very strong. And I had made a couple of big mistakes around changing my product, which we're going to speak about that later, about like believing in yourself. And this is one of those big learnings in my life where, yeah, I shouldn't have answered to competition, right? 
but that's later. That said, my point is I was in a, I was at a moment where I either had to bring on a partners and expand in that way or sell the business. And, um, definitely one of the hardest decisions of my entire life. Um, and I just realized it was time to sell. I had two people that were interested, very, very interested. I was in serious talks with people, but I think because I had to listen to my gut in that moment and things that were going on with my family, it was like, it was time to just move on. So that was when I sold the business. I was, I was fortunate enough for the timing of it that Soul and Fly were both interested in acquiring Zone Hampton. Um, so unbeknownst to me, because to be, to be completely honest with you, I did not go at it saying, this is the time to sell. <laughs> it was just, that's how the timing worked out. And um, I ended up selling to Flywheel. I really appreciated the partners there. Um, and I won't get go down that, that whole path, that rabbit hole, but there were a bunch of reasons why I, I sold to, to Flywheel. I also really appreciated the, the bit of technology that they brought to the sport uh, or the, the group exercise. Um, the idea of torque and metrics were new. Um, that was revolutionary. And so obviously I like doing different things and evolving. So that excited me. I, um, after the business was acquired by Flywheel and they took over the spaces and there's a whole, that's, that's a really interesting journey to go through. Um, they were fantastic to work with. I was with Flywheel for three years as a master instructor and it was a great time for me to just be teaching classes supporting this new business and spending time with my family, um, which was really what I needed to do in that moment. So, and, you know, I was able to be this, like, I lived the life of a full-time instructor with no other responsibilities, which was what I was supporting. So it was kind of interesting to, to experience that. And it was great. And I'm grateful for that. But I started to get bored <laughs> and I started to think of different ideas and things to do. Um, and started to put out feelers. Um, and that's when a friend of mine introduced me to John Foley. So now it's 2010. No, no, I'm sorry, 2012, 2013, excuse me. And John Foley, and Pel who's the CEO of Peloton, um, at this time had the prototype of the bike. They had gone through the Kickstarter campaign, and he was still working with um, the the uh, his co-founder, his, I'm sorry, the founding team were partners he'd worked with on tech's, um, tech businesses in the past. Um, so they had those elements for sure. They had, you know, they were building the bike, they had the tech, um, being developed. And of course they had, uh, John Foley's vision and, and, um, business sense, but they didn't have the fitness element and they were, you know, John was looking for that. And this is why our, my friend introduced us, a mutual friend of ours. So the day that I was introduced to John Foley, I will never forget another one of those big moments because he explained to me what he was doing. And as I mentioned, the reason why I mentioned it earlier, that all these people are always asking me, where do we, how are we going to do this? We want to bring you with us on vacation not just the studio, not just me, right? They wanted to bring the experience with them, right? And, you know, I always, like I said, I knew it wasn't opening more studios and DVDs always fall flat, right? Nobody, whatever. Um, 
and and so I, but I knew there had to be something. And so when John Foley explained to me what he was building at Peloton, I'll never forget it. I looked at him and I go, oh my God. He's like, what? I go, you effing, I won't curse, but I did. I go, you effing figured it out. And he's like, you get it? You, you get it? I'm like, dude, I so, I so get it. And i like, this is genius. And I'm like, so there's a studio and the teacher, teacher, the teacher looks right at the camera. Like I got you. And the person's at home and he's like, Oh my God, you get it. Cause this is very early on. And similarly to when I had to explain to people how spinning, what spinning was cut to now in 2013. And we had to explain what streaming spinning means. <laughs> so, so of course the minute he told me about it, I was in love with the idea and I uh, couldn't wait to jump on board and join the founding team and help build out this incredible revolutionary product. I mean, I knew, I knew that it was going to be huge. Um, and so I was with that team for two years, opened the studio, built the original team of instructors, chief content officer, Peloton and general manager of the studio as well. Um, also of course was teaching, which was, was, which was a joy um, and really, uh, you know, the whole idea of bringing the magic that I've been kind of touching upon throughout this long story, I apologize, but, <laughs> um, that magic for me as, as chief content officer in my time there, it was all about bringing that magic to people at home. And working with the teachers, the instructors, that team, and, and relaying that on camera. And so it was really, um, it was so exciting. And it obviously works. Um, and so anyway, the, now to bring it to, my, to, to today, um, I, you know, this marriage of technology and fitness that um, Foley really introduced, um, changed the industry. And thanks to that, I've worked on a bunch of startups um, that, you know, sort of work with technology and, fit and fitness and whatnot. And that's how I landed to where I am today, which was I was originally introduced to the founding partners at Swerve by one of their investors who had worked with me um, in the past. And actually, I should say he's a friend of mine. He's more a friend of mine because he'll listen to this. So, yeah, he's a friend of mine. Sorry about that. <laughs> and he introduced us. They were, um, they were at this point for studios, brick and mortar. They had a great business. They, they brought this team concept that we'll talk about a little bit later to group, ex to group cycling, indoor cycling. Um, they had like a very niche following in Manhattan. And I was introduced to them when they were ready to expand on their brand, but they were looking to do it in an asset light way, which I was excited about because that's how I, what I always wanted to do when I had studios. So I was really excited to talk to them about that. Pre-pandemic, we saw an opportunity in somehow working with big box gyms because big box gyms always had issues with keeping good talent and having great cycling program, indoor cycling program. So it's all really full circle. Um, but then the pandemic hit and that's when Swerve quickly 
rented out all of their bikes to their um, clients and got all their instructors in their living rooms on Zoom teaching classes, just anything to keep going, you know? And that's when we started to, our conversation started to turn a little bit to like, wait, can you work with our our instructors to help them teach to camera? <laughs> it's like, yeah, but let's also talk about what else we can do. And and Eric and JH, the founding partners, are, are really an exciting duo to work with. Um, we had some super inspiring conversations about what we could do. Let's, let's look at this moment as a, as an opportunity. Um, yeah, it's hard. Yes. And scary, but what can we do here? And that's when we saw this opportunity to, um, to take Swerve. We closed, um, two of their locations developed during pandemic. We converted one location into a production studio. We developed a business plan around offering, live streamed indoor cycling classes to big box gyms on the hour, every hour. Um, and it's a tech integrated experience and it's freaking awesome. And every bit of my story that I just told, <laughs> which is long, so I, it took a while to get here, but you can see how every bit of it has led to this moment and how it's all really come to to where we are now, which is offering this incredible, disruptive, needed, and exciting product to the industry. So that's where we are. <laughs> oh my goodness. I don't even know where to begin. I feel like I actually have a lot more questions than I had originally anticipated now, but my goodness, thank you so much for sharing your story. And if I think back and try to find a common theme across your journey this far, correct me if I'm wrong, but it feels like you've essentially dedicated your career thus far to be able to help others experience that same experience that you had in that first cycling class. Is that right? Yep. And it's called an experience for a reason, right? It's more than just a workout. An experience is a collective group of elements that come together to create a memory, to create a positive memory. And in order for you to have witnessed that experience, in order for you to felt the feelings that you had felt during that very first class, all of these elements had to be working simultaneously with one another, right? From the very second that you signed up for the class, the onboarding, the process that it took for you to actually get into the studio, the way that you were welcomed, the way that you were greeted, then you go into the studio and it's the workout, it's the program, it's the music, it's the instructor. And in the past, I believe the majority of these elements almost operated in separate silos or you just weren't able to experience all of those elements into one setting. And as your career has continued to evolve and as you've tapped into new ventures and innovated your thought process and innovated the way that you deliver a program and an experience to your members, it comes back to you again, trying to recreate that, ex that, that first class that you had taken many years ago. Is that right? A hundred percent. Yeah, uh, totally. You know, it, you just nailed it. My gosh. Yeah, you just nailed it. And I really appreciate you understanding that it's all about that original experience. You know, that's why I always enjoy 
telling that piece of it because I still remember that feeling. And you're right. It's all about recreating that. (laughs) Now, creating that top-notch experience is not as easy as we're probably making it out to be, right? And the fitness industry, how it's evolved, how it's continued to challenge itself and innovate, there's a lot of moving pieces here. So as the fitness community grows, what is your perspective on fitness brands constantly feeling the pressure to evolve? Well, it's really, I love that question because it's, it's, <clears throat> it's really interesting. The one, one thing that about fitness um, is it, there's so many different versions of fitness. There's something out there for everybody, right? So that's always, that's something to remember. It's like, Fitness is it's a huge umbrella and there's people who like fitness outdoors, some people like it indoors. I mean, there's just so much. So there's that one piece that there literally is something for everybody, um, all different levels, all of it. And what's so magical is when a person finds the fitness that they enjoy, because really what fitness is all about, to your point, is the inherent desire that people feel or have to feel good. And fitness, when they find the right one, answers to that. So when a person finds the fitness that works for them and then enjoy it, and then they find the like-minded people who enjoy that same type of fitness, they now have what a lot of fitness communities will call a tribe. And once those people have their tribe, they're they're locked in. They are locked in. So if you're a business in the industry that has a tribe, which you do, right? So any studio, any gym, any trainer, any like any digital offering, the group of people, I'm just going to call it tribe because it's fun. The group of people who are your user base are your tribe. And when you talk about evolving, as long as you're keeping that tribe happy, you will continue to evolve to suit their needs. The minute you try to sort of take it somewhere else that you're not like, the minute you try to like, if you, oh, look at that shiny, gleamy thing over there that they're doing, we should try that. I think our people will really like that. Unless you really know that your people are going to really like that, that's, that's not right. But if you hear amongst your tribe that, you know, they want a little more of something, they want things to be, you know, they, they want, they want things to be, um, got, well, there's a good example. Like I want to be able to take these classes in other places other than this studio, right? If you hear that amongst your tribe, as many of us have heard, that's when you have to evolve and figure out how to make these offerings work for these people in other ways outside of the immediate physical location, right? So that's just one little example. But I do believe, though, that's the nature of evolution is just paying attention to what the people who enjoy your base product, what the people who enjoy your base product, whatever it is that they want, answer to that, and you will continue evolving. You're exactly right. We're constantly going to be feeling the pressure to evolve, but how we evolve, that's what makes the difference. And it's important to recognize where the consumers are going and what they're needing in order to help us shape out and round out what our strategy should look like going into the future. And speaking of going into the future, 
digital technology has certainly made significant strides in the industry. You of all people certainly know that. And now I'm curious in your perspective and in your role as a CCO, how do you envision digital and technology to evolve and enhance the customer's content experience? Yeah, this is, thanks. I'll, this is the best because um, <clears throat> it's really, listen, Peloton changed the industry. And during pandemic, everybody was like, Ha, how do we do Peloton? How do we do what Peloton's doing, right? And all these businesses just like, God bless them all. They did, they just quickly did apps and quickly did Zoom and all this stuff to try to be like that, right? Um, and a lot of that was just knee jerk to try to keep things alive. But now we're here in this this phase of rebuilding. And the truth is it's not all digital and it's not all in real life. It's, I, I know this is becoming kind of common knowledge, but the truth is it's hybrid and we have to, as opposed to being, you know, ah, technology, it's taking away from real life, right? As opposed to being like only, you know, only technology, the truth is you need a little bit of both. And the, there's such opportunity right now, like we right now at Swerve, it's so exciting because we aren't looking at this as coming into these gyms bullish on our product and saying 24-7, Swerve, let's go. We've actually built the product to accommodate their in real life experiences. What we see is for gyms, they have a difficult time staffing and they have a difficult time with quality control. And then they also have a difficult time answering to the whole digital phenomenon. Like it's a, it's a, it's not, it's not a world that big box gyms are comfortable navigating in, you know, and they're, it's, it's not easy. And so what we, we found that we could offer them this solution where they have the digital classes that they offer with Swerve, but we literally made it so that they can like flip a switch and then their superstar instructor at 9 a.m. can come into their room and teach their class. And then for the rest of the hours of the day that they don't have the actual people to staff, they can just flip that switch back and have Swerve classes being live streamed. And, you know, we're, we are the first to do this. I definitely don't think that we're going to be the last. And I do think that that is the, the next phase um, for our industry. Um, you know, there have been a few brands who have successfully pulled off keeping their studios and, and gyms open and having an app, um, you know, that, that serves to the digital community as well. And there, there's still, it's still, there, there's a lot of room for improvement, but, um, there's definitely no way I, unless it's just a very small mom's a pop, you know, type situation where they're just serving a local community. Um, if you're looking to scale, there's no way you can do it without having the hybrid solution. Yeah, you're exactly right. Again, going full circle back to your original experience and when a member came up to you saying that they wanted to be able to experience the spinning workout, the spinning experience in class, wherever they are. And that's the exactly the direction that we're going towards. Now, kind of shifting gears slightly, just because I am curious, right? Your journey has been incredible and you've been able to 
witnessed so many different types of experiences and been able to witness how the industry has been able to evolve. But I think it's also important to note that at the core of it, your personal journey has had this beautiful dance and, and balance between entrepreneurship, the corporate world, shifting career paths, and so much more. And I'd love to learn from you. What's the biggest learning that you've had so far? And how would you say that you've been able to stay true to your intention, your passion, and your vision? Um, my biggest learning um, has been to my biggest learning was made was was learned by making big mistakes, and those big mistakes, as I kind of touched upon a little bit before, were when I was scared of competition. And I reacted and responded to competition out of fear, as opposed to holding my head up high and continuing to believe in what I was doing, as opposed to looking around me and going, wait, I've got like a huge business here with, well, not huge business, but I mean, huge following and like reputation and leaning into that. Instead, I made, I was a little bit, I wasn't, I was still young, I was still learning. And I leaned into the fear part. And that's the, I, there's nothing I enjoy more. I also do um, life coaching and that's like one of my big things that I love to share with my clients is when you find yourself answering to fear, you need to pause and literally look in the other direction because unless the fear is of like running out of the street to save your life, you know, real actual physical fear. Um, you're never going to make decisions from a good place. Um, and so that was my big, that's a big lesson that I've learned. And now moving forward, I take that into everything I do. Um, and anytime that I have an idea or I'm working on a new project or introducing a new concept to a project, um, I really take a moment, think it through, and any sort of doubt that creeps in, I literally just sort of, I mean, this is going to sound so ridiculous and esoteric, but I literally like breathe through it and have a moment where I'm like, am I afraid of presenting this or I'm afraid of introducing this or I'm afraid to bringing this to market or do I believe in it so much that it's a little bit scary how, how like exciting this is. Um, and those are really important moments that I think people who have a lot of ideas and like to invent have to confront. Like, what is the fear I'm feeling right now? Is it the fear of this actually being successful and like what that means? Or is it the fear that, um, I'm, I'm doing this just cause I don't know what else to do or, you know, I, I'm trying to come up with idea and I'm, I'm afraid I'm not going to come up with one. So I'm going to come up with this. And that's never the right place to be functioning from. That definitely makes sense. And when you're thinking about your career path and going through this really beautiful journey and making all these decisions and scaling an organization, it is so important to make sure that you have the right team around you. So in your perspective, maybe reflecting on your experiences thus far, how do you think about building a team with a shared vision? 
Yes, thank you so much for asking me this question. There's nothing I'm more passionate about than building a strong, successful team and then just watching it take off. Fortunately, Eric Posner and J.H. McNearney share that same passion. Eric and J.H. are the founders of Swerve, lifelong friends, and D1 lacrosse players. Athleticism and teamwork, it's in their DNA, so much so that they introduced the concept of team indoor cycling eight years ago with the Swerve Studios. So using our combined expertise in studio operations, group exercise, and live streaming fitness content, we're taking the time to build a strong team who share the same passion for innovation, execution, and for developing excellent operations. Ellen Rogeman, former CMO at Blink Fitness, joined our leadership team and has been instrumental in developing our brand while creating the pathway to new gym partnerships. The heart and soul of Swerve, our trainers, come from the best studios and gyms in New York City. In recruiting talent, it was important to find not only the superstars, but the superstars who want to build something from the bottom up and understand what that takes. So when it comes to building a team, I always think back to something my father used to say to me. Is he or she one of us? <laughs> always take a moment and reflect, no matter what position you are looking to fill. Does the individual feel like they belong in your organization? Listen to that voice and hire by staying true to your intention. That's excellent. Thank you. Well, speaking of a shared and aligned vision, any exciting things coming up that we can expect from yourself and Swerve? Yeah, so cool. So we just, um, all right, so we launched uh, seven months ago and we were, this, we were, I'll call it a little bit of luck because we were fortunate enough that Crunch, uh, which is a fitness chain, um, a, a big box gym that's really, they're like an exciting brand. They're always the ones who sort of try the new things in the industry. And they had a relationship with um, Swerve prior to the pivot. And so we, um, we, they were the first to hear about our new product and they were the first to sign up for it. And we agreed to a pilot with Crunch and we had a super successful launch. We've had over 80% retention month to month. It's, uh, we've got like, you know, we've got that stickiness, man. Their members are just loving what we have um, introduced to them. So what we do, we, we now have classes from 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. We're launching West Coast in, oh my gosh, like 10, two weeks. In two weeks, um, we just um, signed up New York Sports Club and we've got a pipeline of gyms who we're now, you know, going to contract with. So it's totally taking off. Um, as far as the product itself, um, we are very aggressively developing the product so that the base of it is each studio location is its own team. So let's say you're taking class at 34th Street, regardless of the gym brand, you're at 34th Street and somebody else is taking class in Burbank and you've got somebody else in New Orleans. Your teams are all competing against one another in real time with this live stream class. So you're in the studio, the indoor cycling studio. We outfit it with a big, what we call experience wall. And you're, the trainer is streamed into that. 
It's a beautiful visual, by the way. And we have some exciting graphics and a dashboard with the trainer with, you know, real-time metrics. And we've got a four-quarter format, which has never been done in indoor cycling before. So we've completely reinvented how the indoor cycling class is programmed. So similar to like a football game, we've got first quarter, second quarter, halftime, third quarter, fourth quarter. We've got challenges, they're competing. And our whole thing is to bring people together in fitness. And, you know, we have the digital experience with the instructor, but then we've got people taking class together and we have them rooting each other on and we've got challenges and team competitions. And, you know, we're very, yes, it's competitive, but it's, it's the best type of competitiveness. It's like, you know, uh, we celebrate all sorts of wins and hey, you know, first class, all that good stuff. So we are developing the product super quickly and um, really rolling out new um, updates every two weeks. Um, and we're very aggressive with that. And um, it's it's super exciting. That's amazing. The way you're describing it too is giving me goosebumps and just wants me to be completely inside that immersive experience. Well, final question for you. If you could give advice to a young woman that is designed to be a future entrepreneur or executive, what would you share with them? Such a good question. Um, my, I, I think my, my biggest like piece of wisdom in my older age to share with young women who are looking to get into business and entrepreneurship and all of that is A, don't worry about being a business person. Don't worry about being an entrepreneur. Don't worry about what you're calling yourself, right? Like put that aside. Listen to all the podcasts you want to about starting a business and that's all good. Surround yourself with that, but don't worry about who you are in that. Take all of that knowledge that you are probably consuming and go out into the world and be super curious. Do things that you've never done before. Meet people that you wouldn't expect to meet. Open those opportunities up for yourself because there are ideas floating out there everywhere. There are problems to solve everywhere. Start thinking like a consumer. That's a, a, a venture capitalist who I was very close to, a mentor of mine years ago. I'll never forget. He told me two things. One I didn't listen to. Don't answer to competition. Whoops. <laughs> and the other one was that was go look, go look around, see find it, find where, where, you know, find where there are holes that need to be filled, find where there's, you know, um, again, like I said, problems that need to be solved. And through that, you get your mind working that way and it will come. And, you know, in the meantime, just keep going, just keep doing things. Um, and if you're in your job, and one thing I always tell people, if you're, if you're in a job that you're miserable in, you know, and you feel stuck, well then, I don't know, you don't necessarily have to go jump out and start a business if you don't have an idea, but you can go get a different job doing something that you don't hate as much, right? So just take the steps towards freeing yourself and freeing your mind. Um, and, you know, the, the rest will come. Well, this has been an absolute privilege. Thank you, Marianne, for your time. And as mentioned, make sure to check out Swerve Fitness. 
the boutique fitness studio live streaming its experience into gyms and studios around the world. Looking to hear more of what's happening in the health, wellness, and sports industry? Subscribe to this podcast, and we'll catch you next time on The Drift.